Over the last several weeks, we've been going through 1 Corinthians 13. This is the third week where we are learning about love. It's just one of those things that um, we think we know until we hold up our love to Scripture and compare it to what we see there and find out that the love of Christ really is extraordinary. So much different than ours in so many ways. Last week we learned that his love is patient, it is long-suffering, it suffers long. Um, it bears up under burdens, it bears up under hurts and harm and does not retaliate. A couple of weeks ago we learned how we, have, we can serve, we can give, we can do all sorts of things. And if it does not have love in it, it has no value. So again, this week we will look at God's word, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, and see that love is kind. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that we can come into this place and worship you. I pray, God, that you would take away distractions, things that are on our mind that might keep us from seeing what your love is and demonstrate in your word how compelling your love is. It draws us in. It leads us to delight in you, to see you as you truly are, to understand that we are loved with this kind of love by our heavenly Father. Just as we sang this morning, you are a good, good Father. It's who you are. You love us like this, and you have shown us your love through your Son, Jesus. Draw us in. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to read just verses 1 through 4 again, just to remind you of where we're at in this text. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. I was in my fifth grade classroom one day when our school principal came in came in with his guitar, and he began to sing the 1970 song, Try a Little Kindness, by Glenn Campbell. I don't know if the fifth graders were being especially mean at that time or if something else was going on that I was not aware of, but it struck me because of how strange it was back then that he did that, and it still strikes me as strange today. It's the kind of thing I think that you would see on a sitcom, where the guidance counselor is trying to implement some new teaching technique and all the kids are chuckling to themselves and that's exactly what we were doing. We didn't know what was going on. But I went back this week and I read the lyrics of that song to see what Mr. Campbell had in mind and it's pretty much what you might expect from the title and it goes like this. You've got to try a little kindness. Yes, show a little kindness. Just shine your light for everyone to see. And if you try a little kindness, then you'll overlook the blindness of narrow-minded people on the narrow-minded streets. 
He's telling us here that kindness will make the world a better place than the alternative would. Blindness and narrow-mindedness that are out there just bringing everybody down. And I think there is truth to that, right? There is some truth there. That it's better to be nice than to be mean. To have a cheerful disposition and a willingness to have a, give a helping hand out there in the world. I think we might want more of that kind of kindness in this city than what you might see on your rush hour commute. Hopefully than what you give you know, on your rush hour commute. Or what I encountered in the back parking lot this week when I asked somebody not to park there during the trunk or treat. That didn't go so well. But what Campbell is singing about and what the Apostle Paul is teaching in this chapter are not one and the same thing. Now, they use the same English word, and there's some overlap there in meaning, but the kindness that Paul is teaching about is not a general niceness. It's not a good-natured disposition. It's not a bright cheerfulness that just makes the world around you seem like a better place. So what is it? It's something much stronger. It has backbone. It's something that overcomes a tidal wave of emotion that wars against it as it seeks to follow and obey Jesus Christ. I missed something initially as I looked at this passage. It's that the way that Paul describes love here is as a person. Love is personified in this passage. It's as if there is a person called love, that's its name, and Paul is being asked to objectively describe the qualities, the characteristics, the trait of this person, love. What is she like? And Paul begins. Again, last week we saw that love is patient. And I said at the time that patience and kindness are two sides of the same coin. They both speak about our responses when others seek our harm in some way. Patience deals with what you choose not to do when somebody hurts you. Somebody says an unkind word toward you, lashes out in some way toward you. Somebody rolls a grenade in your direction and you choose not to roll it back. I mean, it's a metaphorical grenade after all. I know that scared you. The point is, is that you don't retaliate. That's what patience is. You don't seek revenge. It'd feel really good in a fleshly kind of way to lay the smack down on that person, have a snappy little comeback just ready for them so they'll never want to come back at you again, right? That's what we want kind of on the inside, but... Patience, long-suffering, does not do that. It's the quality of Christian love that withholds retribution. It practices self-control when your feelings just want to carry you away in a little fit of anger. The self-control, it pleases the Lord because He has been and is long-suffering toward His own enemies. He has been and is long-suffering toward you. He does not give his enemies 
what they deserve in the moment. What does he do? He bears up underneath their rebellion against him. He withholds his judgment and he gives those people an opportunity to repent. He is patient with them. So as Paul looks at this person, love, and now says that love is kind, that quality would include the active side of patience. Patience is not giving to them what they deserve. Kindness is giving to them something that they don't deserve. So how can we define this kindness? First, I've got two, two definitions or two characteristics of kindness. The first is kindness is the response of love to give good to those who have sought your harm. It's the response of love to give good to those who have sought your harm. So it's not simply practicing self-control by not returning evil for evil. It's not just that. It includes that. No, it's taking the ball and going on offense and pursuing the good of the evildoer. You're seeking their good, even though they sought your harm. I think most of us are going to feel pretty satisfied with ourselves just by practicing patience. We're good with just stopping there, right? I didn't come back at them and try to hurt them. Pat on the back. But love doesn't stop there. Love is strong enough to absorb the blow of an evildoer. Absorb, not reflect. Rubbery substances, they bounce things back to where they came from. They give back what they got. But love is like a bulletproof vest that takes the impact and the harm stops there. But it does send something back in return. Because after absorbing the blow, love sends good back to them. So kindness is retaliating with good toward evil. I like that word, just it retaliates, but it retaliates with good. This is heavenly. It's heavenly because it's what God does. He not only withholds his vengeance against his enemies, he actively pursues their good. We sang about it this morning. We mentioned this before, I think a few weeks ago, that reckless kind of love doesn't mean that it's haphazard, doesn't know where it's going, driving all crazy, like you might drive sometimes in your car. It doesn't mean that. It means it comes from the word prodigal. It looks reckless to us, but it means it has no ends or limits. It runs toward things and not away from things. That's what God's love does for us. So it doesn't seek to stay away. It runs toward, almost into danger, into harm. God does that for his enemies. And that does look crazy or reckless to us from the outside. It looks strange. To the pagan farmer that blasphemes the true God and worships a false God, the Lord does not destroy his crop. If he did, there would be no pagan farmers and a lot more starving people around the world. But what does God do? He chooses to send them rain. 
But God, they don't even believe you exist. They don't care about you. They don't speak a word of praise or thanks to you. They give credit for your goodness to some rain god or to modern science or even to themselves. And God just opens up the sky again with water. The day for wrath, the day for vengeance, those days will come. But today they will receive good from his loving hands. And maybe tomorrow they will repent and acknowledge him. But no matter what, good they will get today. And as the Lord Jesus works inside of us, our love begins to look more and more like his. And just as he gives good to his enemies, what do we do? We give good to ours as well. At least that's what we're being told here. This is kindness. Love is kind. So I ask you this morning, do you have somebody in your life who is especially hard to deal with. Maybe it's a family member. Often it is. Because so many other people, you just kind of shake off, right? Like a dog gets up and shake, you just shake all the other people off. But the family members, you just can't do that with. They stay close. They're always going to be around in some way. This person, maybe this person's rough on you said a lot of hurtful things, done a lot of hurtful things. What are we being told here to do? Step one, restrain yourself from giving evil right back to them. Yes, it would feel good for a minute, might feel good for a lot of minutes. But sin does that sort of thing, does it not? It gives pleasure for a season or a time. It does feel good in the moment. But as God's people, we want his smile. We delight in the beauty of his love, and we're being told here that his love is patient and kind. So we restrain ourselves from retaliation. That's step one. Step two we actively seek that person's good. So that person who has done hurtful things, said hurtful things, you find ways to bless her, serve her, meet her needs. The world will tell you that you need to get rid of all these toxic people. How many of you all have heard that? How many of you all have heeded that advice? And there is a place, is there not, for good boundaries? There's a lot that can be said about removing yourself from those who abuse you or physically harm you. Yes. Biblically even, I, I thought this morning about Paul, as he wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy, he said, Beware of Alexander the coppersmith. He did me much harm. He opposed our message. So he says, Beware of him. Watch out for him. He's dangerous. Keep an eye out. 
And so there is truth there about certain relationships. So this is not simply a one-size-fits-all. But let's not put every hard relationship into that category that these people are toxic. Maybe in a worldly kind of way, they are. But we will take the easy way out if we can, won't we? We will. We find voices, we find teachers who give us permission to do what our flesh wants. And so they say to us, it's just best to to cut those people out, write toxic on them, shake them off, and get rid of them. But I ask you, is that the way of Christ? With those people, are you just choosing to be selfish? Or at least somewhat selfish? Are you allowing callousness and bitterness to grow? Sin to take root? Is there room in your heart for love? That's what a text like this is assessing. Because love comes in and kills all of that junk. That's what it does. It's the spiritual roundup for the unwanted weeds in your heart. So some of you have relationships, or you might even say a lack of relationships, because you did what felt best at the time, rather than choosing the hard path of love. And so this word today, these three words today, are a loving rebuke from God. Love is kind. Kindness is the way to actively seek to kill bitterness, hardness, callousness, numbness, hate, frustration. Love does that. So seek the good of that hard person and don't become the hard person like he is. That is not the way of Christ. What else does this kind person do? As Paul says that love is kind, what else does that mean? Are we being called to only give kindness to those who are harmful toward us or hurt us? Is that only the only place where kindness is to be given? No, of course not. As he describes kindness to this church in Corinth. Not everybody in that church would have a beef with everybody else. That's not the only thing that is happening there. It's possible to show this trait of love to those that you like too. That's what a church or a family should always do when they love one another. Siblings who truly do love one another do struggle with kindness, do they not? Any parents of teenage kids know that, or any parents of small kids know that. They often struggle to be kind to one another, at least kind like this. Not just show the face, but genuinely seek the good of their sibling. I can remember one time talking to two of my girls who were very close in age. And I just wanted them to to want the good, to desire the good inside of their heart, for the other. Just want the other kid to be happy. And I think they were probably like six or seven at this time. And so I'm sure it was kind of like I was talking into the air. I don't know how much good that that did with a six and a seven-year-old. But I was expressing to them that I just wanted them to love one another. And is that so hard? Yes. 
Can't you just choose kindness? Because you genuinely delight in the happiness of your sister. That is what is encapsulated in this word, kind. So the second quality of kindness that I want you to see is that kindness is what love does because it delights in the happiness of others. At the bottom, that's what God really wants for his people, that we will delight in the delight of others. That we'll desire that, we'll pursue that, we'll seek that, we'll seek to accomplish that through showing them kindness. I so enjoy your happiness that I'm going to spend my time doing things that contribute toward it. So kindness is love's delight in your neighbor's delight. And so do you have people in your life that you just love to make happy? And when opportunity comes to you, what do you do? You take it. You want to do it because you love to see them smile. You love to see their life improved. You love to do them spiritual good. You love to do them physical good. You love to meet their needs when you can. That is what kindness is. You delight in their delight and you pursue it. Not because you're compelled to. Not because you're going to get anything back in return. This is not a mercenary kind of love that gets hired out. Like I'm only doing it because I'm going to get that. It's not because you're going to get a pat on the back. It is simply for the delight in their delight. And by the way, you do get something out of it, do you not? You get joy. Your joy is wrapped up in theirs. This is love. Mutual delight. Kindness is the pursuit of that. And again, this is heavenly. Because heaven is going to be a place where you will continually seek the joy and the good of every person you know that is there. Every person that you cross paths with in that place, you will delight in their delight. And everybody who lives there is also going to delight in your delight. Again, it's mutual. So heaven will be a world of continual, mutual loving kindness. There will never be a lack, a want of love and happiness in that place. Because we will always be glad to pursue it for one another because everyone there will have the full heart of Christ. And what Paul is telling this church at Corinth right here and what God's word is telling us here today is that same thing, that something of heaven has been sent down to us so that we will begin to show the loving kindness of Christ here. So something of heaven will be here in this place where we call Kaz Church in our interactions with one another. That we should begin to act as heavenly beings, pouring out the love of Jesus Christ on one another because we so delight in the delight of the others who are here. And that is a strange kind of love out there. Because why? Not everybody in this room is going to be easy to love, right? 
Just like in your family. There are some people in your family that you just naturally, easily love. And you gravitate toward those people. Oh, I just can't wait to do you good. But this right here is telling us that those people who are difficult and hard to manage, difficult to talk to, interact with, it is those people we are being commanded to love as well. And you might say to yourself, like, I just, I don't think I can do that. Well, naturally speaking, you cannot. But because you possess the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, you can. And so as Paul gives this command, as God gives this command to his church, that love is kind. If you possess the spirit of God, yes, you can do this. Again, your flesh will war against you. It will tell you that you cannot, you are incapable, and you do not know how. But here, God's word says, go and be kind. Start crucifying the bitterness of soul that is down there underneath. And in those difficult relationships, you can overcome them with the love of Jesus Christ. You can do everything you are being told to do. And seeking the peace in that relationship, which means begin pursuing that person's good in some way. Now, they may not respond in the way that you want, and quite often that is exactly what is going to happen. But you will do so because you delight in the smile of your Savior, and you know you are obeying Him, and it will give you joy to do that, even if they don't respond in the way that you want to. Know that Christ looks down from heaven and delights in the action that you have taken. And brothers and sisters, in some cases, that just has to be enough. Matter of fact, it's more than enough. So pursue the good of those who are hard in your family, in your workplace, in your church family. There's going to be conflict here from time to time. People are going to say things that are stupid. They're going to do things that are hurtful from time to time. But the love of Jesus will heal that. Because his love has healed the bitterness and the brokenness that was between us and our God. And he pursued our good when we were yet enemies. And we're being called to do the same. Right now, you are being made into the image of Jesus. You are not quite in heaven yet. I think we all feel that. But now that you know more of what this kindness is, the question is, is will you repent? Just good, biblical, solid word. Will you repent of your ways that oppose the love of Jesus Christ? Will you? And is there somebody comes to mind this morning that you need to begin giving this kindness to? A relationship that's grown some bitter weeds that only God's loving kindness will kill and raise up good and peace in place of all those broken, bitter things. 
And yes, your flesh is going to rise up and make excuses, but will you pray that the Spirit of God will empower you to delight in your Savior's kindness toward you so that you can overcome the power of sin with his love? To those who are hard, but also maybe this morning to those that you really do love. But maybe you have just settled into a habit of doing nothing or only what you have to do or only what will get you something in return if you do that thing. I think Glenn Campbell was on to something. That we do need to try a little kindness. But the motivating factor behind it has to be something stronger than the feeling that a catchy tune will give to us. It has to be the love that our Savior has given to us. This is personal. He delighted in our good. And he came to give it to us. And he's planted his spirit in our hearts that causes us to love what he loves and do what he does. And sometimes we just need God's word to remind us of that, to convict us and to change us. And I hope that's what's happening in you today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Lord, for showing us what your love is like the various qualities and characteristics that are in your love. They are striking. They are beautiful. And Father, we confess as a people that we desire to have a love like yours, but we also understand that our love falls so short. Strengthen it. I pray, God, that our love will grow in kindness, not just niceness, not just as a facade or as something superficial, but deep down strength to respond to those who have hurt us or those who are hard and give to them what makes their life better, to build them up, to encourage them, to help them that they might see something of Jesus' love in us and even be drawn to our Savior, not just us, but so that he might be glorified. We pray, Lord, that we will delight in the delight of others. We certainly delight in our own delight. And we will constantly seek our good if we are left to ourselves. But I pray, Lord, that you will give us the love of Jesus that will seek our neighbor's good. That we will truly do unto others as we would have done to ourselves. That is love. And that is kindness. Convict us and change us by the power of your word and your spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.